Welcome to the Let's Get Vulnerable podcast with me, your host, Dr. Morgan Anderson, clinical psychologist, relationship coach, love expert, creator of the ESL relationship method, and athletic wear connoisseur. My mission is to help you raise your self-worth, have great relationships, and step confidently into the next level of your life. Each week, two episodes will air featuring expert advice, live coaching, and tips showing you exactly how to improve your life and attract great relationships. You deserve to feel empowered, secure, and loved. So buckle up and let's get vulnerable. Do you feel like you keep dating people who won't commit and you've struggled in your dating life? You've gone through all these breakups, or maybe you've even struggled to consistently date and stay in the dating game. And you are actually the one who struggles to commit and let your walls down. I know how exhausting this can be when you have this desire on your heart that you really want that partner, that best friend, that person to build a life with, and yet your dating life is just going nowhere and you can't seem to find a person to build a healthy relationship with. I just know how frustrating that is. And I was able to take everything I know from clinical psychology and attachment theory research and NLP belief work and build a program that can help you no matter what your past has been, even if you've never had a healthy relationship before in your life, this program will help you become the securely attached, healthy, high self-worth version of you who effortlessly attracts that partner that you've always wanted. So spots are really limited. We can only take a small amount of people every month. And I want to invite you to not wait on your healing. Love is for those who are willing to be brave and do the work And you are so deserving of removing the barriers to everything you desire. So I just want to invite you, apply to the Empowered, Secure, Loved program. You get coaching with me and you will be able to embody that version of you that you deserve. And spots, once again, are super limited. So make sure you apply. You can find the link in my Instagram bio. My Instagram handles Dr. Morgan Coaching, and the link will also be in the show notes. I'm so excited for you to embody that healthy, securely attached version of you. You are so worthy of it. Welcome. We have a very special guest with us today, y'all, on the Let's Get Vulnerable podcast. We have Andrea Ashley. She is the host of Adult Child Pod. She has been on the podcast before. I love Andrea because she is so real and honest and engaging, super vulnerable. So she's a perfect guest for this podcast. Let's get vulnerable. Welcome. Let's get vulnerable. I think I got you to be pretty vulnerable on my podcast. You got me to be the most vulnerable that I've ever been in an interview. And I surprised myself. And I kid you not, I had like a vulnerability hangover the next day. Oh, yeah. Like shame? 
No, it wasn't shame. It was just like processing. And I was like, wow, I was that vulnerable. And there was like, I had to like self-soothe and be like, it's okay. I can tell my story. But the the good thing was, is that helped me open up in other episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Other. So thank you. I owe you. Thanks for helping me be vulnerable. There's like two things that I, cause I will tell you pretty much anything and everything about me, like the most embarrassing stuff. There's two things. There's only been one episode where I really, 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 really felt exposed on my own podcast. And that was when I talked about money Mm. and like my issues with money, because in my family, like that's how I was raised just like money is like the most important thing. And like being financially irresponsible is like literally you're a bad person, right? Yeah. That gets so, gosh, that gets wired for so many people. But I, I imagine people love that you shared about that. Cause I think oh, a lot it's like, of I don't want, I'll tell you like that I've like literally never had a healthy relationship before. <laughs> like I'll tell you like most shit that people like, they don't want anyone to know, but like, I don't want anybody to know that. Like, I feel so much shame about that. And then also to admitting, I made a joke about it before, but like, I really do have a problem with games on my phone. And like, that's also like, really fucking embarrassing to admit to. But I like, I'm just putting it out there, right? Because it's about like, other people relate and it does lessen the shame some, you know? But it is. And the other two I tell my community is like, I'm always waiting for the one day where I'm signed on to my Zoom and everybody overnight has like decided that they all don't like me anymore. I was like, joke around about that. (laughs) When I was a kid, like I used to always be afraid when my when I went out of town that all my friends would decide they didn't like me anymore when I was gone because I did actually have like experiences like that where like seemingly overnight, you know, people mm. would disappear or decide they didn't like me anymore. So I'm always waiting for I'm like, all right, when is everybody that listens to my podcast going to all realize on the same exact day that I'm fucking nuts. I think they already know. <laughs> <laughs> and, they, and they love you for it. They're so about it. Um, well, I love that we're getting into this and just, I think that that vulnerability, that like fear of abandonment, the beliefs that there's like something wrong with you or that if people knew who you really were, then you would be abandoned. Obviously that plays into all relationships and your dating life. I know we were talking about your attachment style being anxious attachment. Mm-hmm. would love to just hear more about like, how do you think that has impacted you? And I, I know you're dating or you're open to dating or you've had dating experiences. So when I hit my adult child bottom, like I did take a significant break from dating, which I really think is important. Um, is it the two then, Bryans? Like, after the two Bryans. Yep. We talked oh. about that. Yep. So just for my hundredth episode, I had a girl reach out to me like a couple weeks before it. And she was like, I've been wanting to send you this message for a year and a half. She was like, I found out about your podcast after I went on a second date with the Brian number two. And he, let me read it to you. Oh, so then I ended up having her on the podcast. Oh, for my hundred. It was so perfect. It was like for episode 100. It was like, so it's just moments like that right, where it's like, oh exactly. wow, we're, we're yeah. getting juicy already. Yeah. Let me try this shit. <laughs> I've never um, had that. Although I feel like I don't use 
Well, sometimes I accidentally use names, but anyways, tell us. I've tell had us. like most got. I've had a, a handful of my, have you had any exes reach out to you? Why not? Not the, just the narcissist. The one. Yeah. Um, he loves to, he loves to use different numbers and still reach out. And I just, I just ignore. Do we know what happened to him? He, I actually, I know he's still like in Portland, but I don't know. I hope he's not dating anyone. I, I don't know anything about his life. I wish, I wish him, I'm at a place where I'm just like, I wish you well, but I know nothing about his life and I do not respond to any of his communication attempts. Put a pin in that. Cause I want to talk about something related to that, but okay. okay. So I found it. it says, okay, that's it. I'm finally sending this message. I'm learning so much from your content, toxic shame. This happened to me, but as a result of bullying in junior high, I didn't have alcoholic parents, but there was definitely dysfunction. I found you after learning there was a podcast episode about him at the weird end of date two with Brian number two, who after a movie, perfect date, number one, I just had to see again, not knowing the next time I'd see him, he'd drink a full bottle of vodka 10 feet away from me in my open kitchen without me even noticing. I appreciate his honesty and I'm grateful to have found you. So he like left like her house that night. And then after she left, she opened up the cabinet and realized that like this entire bottle of vodka was empty. And so then the next time she talked to him, she confronted him about it. And then he was like, yeah, like my drinking's a problem. Like even my ex-girlfriend like made a podcast episode about it. And so she had enough information that she was like able to find the podcast. And so she's been listening for the past year and a half and realized that she's an adult child and then finally reached out. But it's so funny because I remember him telling me, like he told me one time he texted me, he's like, I just told this girl that I went on a date with about your podcast. And I said, that's really fucking weird. (laughs) And he was like, what? I'm proud of you. Like, he didn't tell me it was because like he drank all of her vodka and then I'm so speechless. This is rare for me, but I'm literally speechless. Isn't that funny? Wow. This is what I was going to do. Circle back on that is that I was listening to like somebody in my community kind of talking about this and kind of like the, the demonization of like exes. And for me personally, like I don't have any hard feelings towards any of my granted. I don't, I was never really in a relationship with like, somebody who was like a, you know, like a malignant narcissist. Like, so I'll just put that out there, you know, like they were all like emotionally unavailable, extremely emotionally unavailable, avoidant. Most of them were alcoholics, but like, like none of them are bad people. Like I was sick. They were sick. I wasn't a victim in any of these situations, you know, and maybe I would feel differently if I was in like a really like abusive relationship, but at the same time, I just think I'm not saying I'm not condoning their behavior. Right. But I really just am in the opinion. Like, I don't think that there are people out there who are like inherently evil. Like, I think that like, you just obviously like had to experience, like, I don't know if you followed like the Murdoch trials, but like anybody, like a murderer, like I'm not, I'm not saying like they don't deserve to be punished for their crimes and stuff. I just think that like, I don't think we like pop out of the womb and like have this like great plan that we're going to be like evil people. Like we're all like products of our experience, you know, and especially childhood trauma, like it fucks your brain up so much. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I think it takes time to get to where you're at. 
because it's so easy, right? To not want to take ownership or to not see people through the lens of, wow, like people have their own shit or people are healing or they've had their own trauma. It's so easy to want to just blame your ex. And the term narcissist gets thrown around way too often. I will say I I did date a real one though. Like I know what it is to date like the legit one. But everyone's a fucking narcissist these days. But yeah, it gets thrown around too much. Yeah. I mean, I, I know it took me time to be able to see my ex as someone who's deeply, deeply hurting. And I think everyone, everyone has their own process to get to that point. But here's the important part. You're just such a happier, like better off person. If you're not holding on to that, like anger and bitterness, like it just actually feels good to let go of all that and just see it for the reality of like, yeah, people go through trauma. They do fucked up things. Everybody's healing. Everybody's hurting. And how can I just let it go? But also at the same time, not have like have better standards and choose different people, but just forgive and let go. Well, and I think it's also too just having the realization that like all of these people are such blessings in our life. Like they're put in our life for us to grow. Like they were not put in our life just because like we got like the raw end of the deal and we're just supposed to be hurting. Like I, Mm -hmm. it sounds so cliche and corny, but it's really, I really a hundred percent believe it. Like these people are put into our life so that we can heal our shit. And, you know, sometimes we do and we, sometimes we don't, but my God, I just feel so much gratitude for it. Yeah. I keep thinking, so there's kind of a funny story. I don't know. I don't think I've ever told this on the podcast. I was walking with my ex in downtown Portland near Henry's Tavern. People in Portland will know where that is. Downtown. Oh, Henry. <laughs> and this was early on. I think we were two weeks in. And we see his ex-girlfriend. And she sees oh, us. Have I told you this? We see it and she looks like a ghost. Yep, yep, yep. And she yeah. literally... I think you shared this on my podcast. Did I? I, I might have. Yeah. But she sprints at full speed in the opposite direction. And like, sometimes I would have had the thought of like, damn it. What if I would have like read into that a little bit and been like, why is this woman sprinting in the opposite direction? Like, maybe I could have avoided the relationship. But the reality is, is I did learn a lot. I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about relationships. I have this incredible program and community and podcast. And it's like, I think at the end of the day, you just have to say we're all on our own learning journey. And it's what we do with the experiences. Absolutely. In one of my groups last night, this, there's a girl in, in the group and she's been in this you know, horrible relationship for way too many years. And she knows that she needs to, you know, break up with him. And, you know, she's just in the, it's like, she has the awareness, but she's also still like denial. She's not, she's not there yet, you know? And, and I get it yesterday. She like gets on the group and she's like, I finally did it. Like I, I broke up with him. Like I finally did it. And then she's like, and then we're going to couples counseling last next Friday. And I said, no, that's not, no, that doesn't count. But what I texted her later is I said, I am so ha- glad that you feel comfortable sharing all of this stuff and not feeling like you have to lie about it because 
when I was, especially during Brian number two, with the exception of my therapist, I didn't have a single person in my life who actually understood what I was doing and that I could go to and actually be completely honest with, without fear of judgment. Like I didn't have anyone in my, cause it's, you know, it's, mm-hmm. there wasn't anyone and it was so lonely. Mm-hmm. So isolating. Yeah, I know. It is. That's a, that's a wonderful thing for your community to provide that for people because yeah, it can feel, you can just feel so much shame and feel like you're alone. And when I was dating that person in Portland, my best friend was living with me and she moved out. She was like, I can't be your friend right now. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the reality is like, even if people want to be there for us, Mm -hmm. sometimes the people that really care they don't have the emotional capacity to like watch us go through it. Well, it's like addiction, you know, it's like the same yeah. thing. It's like it, it impacts people to a certain extent, you know, like might impact their life too much that it's too damaging for them they can't to be. Watch it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Wow. That's really, really impactful. But it sucks. It God, it's horrible. Mm-hmm. And like not having the awareness that like it was trauma. Yeah just not having that awareness at all. And just like the whole like repetition compulsion and and just like, literally, I don't know if you saw the reel I made, it was like a, a while ago, but just like how quickly that trauma bond happens where like, and I'm just thinking about it with so many of my relationships, like where I would just start talking to somebody and then they would kind of like, maybe we went on one date or maybe not even the first date, but then they would disappear for like a, a couple of weeks And like, there it is right there. Just that first incident of them, me questioning whether or not they're interested in me. And and that's all it fucking took. That's all it took for that to conditioning to the, the flip, the switch to go off in my brain. And I'm completely hijacked by the situation. And my peace of mind and my mood is now completely dependent on this person. And I don't even know who the fuck they are but I will go to the end of the earth to make sure this works. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's, it's wild when we think about repetition compulsion and just how quickly that template is like a flip that switched. Just, just what, what you said, a switch that's flipped, flip that switch, a switch that's flipped. Yeah. <laughs> it's but yeah, it can happen. Just what you're saying, like in an instant, and then you're just trying to get them to love you and you don't and you don't even know who they are just what you said it's so it's so wild to think about so okay last time we had you on the show you were telling us a story about dating and you had like gone to the wrong bar and you were like you know it was humorous because you are hilarious so (laughs) this was like I wish I could remember like when I it must not have happened yet so this was like back in January of last year I was reaching out to different people that were like decision makers at treatment centers to see about sponsoring my podcast. Does this ring a bell for you? Yep. I remember that. Yeah. Well, I know, but have I told you the story? Oh, no. No. Uh-uh. Uh, okay. So I like, I'm just like reaching out to like, you know, just different people. So I get connected like with this one guy who like runs a treatment center in Florida and I'm living in California at the time. And we're just like messaging back and forth on like LinkedIn. And there's just kind of like that instantaneous like banter, 
right? Like you can just like tell right away. And so I sent him my podcast and then we ended up talking on the phone the next day and we just like really hit it off. And he was like, had been sober for, I don't know, like 25 plus years. And he like spoke at all these like addiction conferences and like, you know, here are the fantasy in my head, like, well, we're going to be like this, like powerhouse, like speaking couple. you know. <laughs> and so I really started like him and he was like calling every day, but it was the first time that I felt that feeling that fear of abandonment had gotten triggered in me since dating Brian number two, like in the dating that I had done since that, like I hadn't really connected with anyone. And so this was the first time that like that, that feeling, I felt that feeling and I hadn't felt it in so fucking long. Mm-hmm. It's the reason why I drank, right? It was such a different experience for me because I knew what was going on. Hmm. You had like, awareness. I knew, I knew that I was having a trauma response and I did things so differently. You know, like in the past, I would like call up a friend and be like, well, he texted me like this at this time. And then he said he was, and then he only used one period and, you know, like all that stuff, like all the analyzing. Oh yeah, my like, God. Are you sure? You, are you sure you said like, sorry, you know, we need and a it, moment of silence for like all the hours lost to like useless analyzing of text messages. Like it's so sad to me. Anyways, continue. continue. And you call for reassurance and it doesn't fucking matter what your friend tells you. Like you're right. still not going to feel any better. Yeah. Um. So doing things differently sitting with myself, like closing my eyes and feeling it in my body and breathing into it. And then picturing my inner child and telling her like, I'm not going to abandon you, you know, like you're okay. Like you're safe. You're safe. We're okay. We're okay. And then the feeling would pass. And then of course it was like, in all those moments where I was like convinced that like he was ghosting me and then he would eventually call and be like, Oh, I think this must be God telling me that I can trust someone. You know? <laughs> and then the red flag came like a couple weeks in. Well, the first was the red flag was like, he said he was going to come and visit and he just like kept kind of like being very vague about it and like, wasn't really commit. And I couldn't figure out what the deal is. And then I finally like just like told all the details of my pot on my podcast a couple months ago. Like when it when it happened initially, I was like vaguely talking about it. But then of course, like I'm like afraid that he's gonna like listen, right? <laughs> so I didn't want to tell like all the details. But then after like nine months had passed, I'm like, I don't fucking care. Like I'll just tell all the details. I'm over it. He seemed to play a lot of poker. I was under the impression that he was just like going and playing at his friend's house, like just like for like a guy's night, you know, like that's just kind of the impression that I got. And so then one night he calls me and he makes a comment about how he's on his way home from the casino. And I was like, oh, I was under the impression that like you, you just played at, uh, at friend's house. He goes, well, no, usually I play at this like really high stakes game at this high rise in Fort Lauderdale, but I lost $200,000 over the course of three games. So I'm taking a break from that game now. So basically he said he was taking a break from that. And so now he's just going to the casino. He's still playing, but just in lower stake games. And so the first thing is, is like, I don't know how he has that kind of money to lose. Like to be completely honest, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't know that like, 
you don't make that much money like working in treatment. Oh and my then, God. Yeah. There's so, so many things. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, that's called gambling addiction. <laughs> yeah. And it's called chasing the chasing the loss. I think it's what it's called. Where basically like you have a big loss and then you're like, you know, you think that you're going to win it all back in one hand. Mm-hmm. And so we had that conversation and it was like kind of in that conversation too, where I like pressed him. I'm like, do you know when you're going to come? And he's like, soon. And I was like, are you just like blowing me off? And so it was kind of, so then it was in that conversation after that, I called up a friend who was a therapist and I was like, this is like a 100% like hell no deal breaker, right? Like, cause in the past I would not tell anyone about it or maybe mm-hmm. I'd tell somebody about it, but I continue as normal. But I knew that like, this was like a nope, like hard stop. The other thing that was interesting too, is that he'd worked in like, you know, in treatment and uh, had been sober for a long time. And he knew like so little about like adult child. And not only did he not know a lot about it, he was not interested in learning about it, which also kind Mm -hmm. of was like a bit of a red flag for me too. Yep. And so that right after this conversation, he kind of just like, he kind of disappeared. Like he, you know, like I didn't hear from him for five days. And so then finally I texted him. I was like, I said, are you dead? And he was like, no. And I was like, are you pri- pulling a Brian number one sober edition on me? Cause like Brian number one had just like ghosted me. Uh, and he had listened to the episode. So I was like, are you pulling a Brian sober edition on me? And then he called me and he was just like, Hey, yeah, no, you know, it's just, it's just the distance thing. Like, which like, that's, what the situation was from the beginning and just giving me this, you know, shit about just being at long distance and what I heard or what my inner child heard in that moment was I'm not enough. Mm-hmm. Like, cause if I was enough, then mm-hmm. distance wouldn't matter. You know, mm-hmm. I got off the phone with him pretty quickly, which is good because in past situations like that, I would have just tried to stay like on the phone for as long as possible and try to say something that I was going to change his mind. I got off the phone. I was really, really, really activated and upset. I couldn't get anyone on the phone. I finally got someone on the phone and like, he was like not helping at all. He was just like, Oh, that sucks. And I'm like, fuck, like, I don't want to talk to you. And then I finally got another friend on the phone. It was like, it only took me about 45 minutes before I calmed down. And I was like, it has nothing to do with you, Andrea. Mm-hmm. Like it has nothing to do with you. So very and, different than it had been in the past for you. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was like a really big, that I was love like a big thing, you know? Thank you for sharing that. I think so many people, there's a lot of nuggets there and what you shared. I think about being open and vulnerable and talking to people about it and allowing yourself to have a different experience and not just going into how you would have always done it. Also the fantasy. I love how you talked about that at the beginning. And I, I want to point something out because this happened to me too. Sometimes when we're dating someone who is a doctor or like I had dated a psychologist And I thought, oh, they're going to be emotionally available. They know all this stuff. And you're like with this person and you're in your head, you're like, oh, this is going to be a great partner. Mm -hmm. The psychologist I was dating was married. Mm -hmm. Like just because somebody has something as a career or like they seem a certain way does not mean that they're emotionally available and a great partner. So even though you had that fantasy you did the data digging, you saw the red flags, 
Like you, you were honest with yourself early on and probably something that could have gone on like way longer, right? Like you stopped it. You stopped it early. And it didn't, it was like, you know, I would say maybe for like a couple of days, I definitely like felt it a little bit. Yeah. It was huge. And just, just, I think it is, it's just like really having that realization that like, literally my nervous system has been conditioned to respond this way. And having that realization took, takes so much of the shame away from me. Cause Mm -hmm. like, I didn't know why, like, I didn't understand like why I would get the way that I was. Like, I just felt so pathetic. Mm -hmm. I felt so desperate, you know, Mm -hmm. but like literally like my brain at a young age was wired this way to to respond this way. Mm -hmm. So I think that that helps like quite a lot. There has not been uh, this summer. I met somebody here in Florida and he was kind of boring, you know, but I'm like, okay, you know, all the cure is sexy. Yeah. I don't know about that, but like, you know, I was willing to go like, give it a go. And I did. And I went on a handful of dates with him and by like the sixth date, like he hadn't even like tried to like touch my leg. And I'm like, okay, no, Mm. Um, but I, but I was open to it. That's awesome. Yeah. You got to give me a little something. I think, you know, it's so, it's so interesting. as like talking about attachment styles. It's always on a spectrum. So even if, you're healing anxious attachment, you're going to move more towards secure attachment, but you may still have some of those anxious tendencies. But if you're dating somebody and they are just like, so, so predictable, stable, or just not engaging or not building that attachment, it doesn't matter how secure the attachment is. There still has to be attraction and compatibility, right? So like you can move towards secure, you can be doing all the things And if there's not that attraction or compatibility, then it can be secure and not compatible. I also think this too, and I'm curious, like what your perception is of this too. It's like, I matched with another guy this summer and on paper, he seemed great, but we talked on the phone and he literally has just not been through anything in his life. I think that my struggles and and my pain and like my healing and my growth, like it's just such a big part of me. And I think it takes, it gives somebody like a level of depth that like, if somebody's just kind of like, you know, I understand we all have our struggles, but if somebody like really hasn't been, you know, like, I just don't think I'm going to be able to connect on the level that like, I really need that's going to be fulfilling, you know? Mm, Yeah, I understand that. And I think that, well, there's, there's lots of layers there, right? Because it's like, Sometimes people have been through things and they're just not connected to it. So it's like, maybe they're just yeah. not able to process it. But yeah, I mean, well, I think kind it, of the same thing, right? Right, I mean, right. I yeah. If, like been through something and like has some perception. Of, some perception. Know, exactly. Yeah. So it's for me, it kind of goes to for your preference and for your ability to create secure attachment, you need that person who can kind of understand what it is to overcome some of these things. And it's going to help you feel more secure when you have like a shared language in a sense. And like, you can understand healing. Right. And that's fair completely. Yeah. I'm just curious what you, what you thought about that. I definitely have coached people where they're like, he's just so boring. He had such a great childhood. And I think there's people who can have great childhoods. Maybe they haven't been through a ton 
but who still take a big interest in understanding trauma and healing. Or like, or this is self-actualized. Right. They're self-actualized. Sure. Yeah. So it's so individual, right? It's like, yeah, it's so individual. Like, so what, when you're coaching your clients, how many, how many dates do you suggest that they, if somebody's boring at what point are you like, okay, that's good enough. Try. So I love this question. I'll usually say two to three dates. And kind of the filter I have people take it through is when I think about going on this date with this person, am I excited at all? Or like, would I rather go read the local newspaper? You know what I mean? Like, is there any excitement or any curiosity? And if by date number three, you are just like zero excitement, no curiosity, you don't want to be there. And it's not out of fear. It's just out of genuine, I don't want to be there. Mm-hmm. Then that's pretty telling that that connection <laughs> is not there. You know, the other thing too, is like, I wouldn't say like, I'm, I, I'm a trauma dumper anymore, but like, I'm really open in general, you know? And so it's like having that fine balance between like, I don't want to overshare, but then at the same time too, like, it's very much like me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's kind of a part of my personality, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, kind of like, you know, sussing that out. Do you feel that, and this is just, I'm just curious because Mm -hmm. I mean, it's something I've thought about. Like, do you feel that people who struggle to get vulnerable, is that like a hard connection for you to maintain because it's lacking some of that depth? Like, do you, if you are like, have a friend for six months and they've never opened up to you about anything, I don't do that. You're like, I don't do surface level relationships. I don't do surface general. No, not interesting. Yeah. So like the local country club, the, the, the country club gossip about whose petunias look better or like something like that would be like, no, I mean, I fucking love gossip. But about flowers, you you know what I mean? Like surface level shit. no. I want to know who they're fucking. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I want the gossip, but I want like the, want, good, like, the real shit. The good do you gossip. watch, do you watch Vanderpump rules? No, I haven't watched it. I've heard I mean, all the shit though. Yeah. I've heard the I'm sure that you have plenty of people who watch it mm-hmm. that are listening. It's been really hard for me to watch the, it all play out on social media. Like I said, this is just people's unresolved trauma playing out. Mm-hmm. And Raquel made a statement and whether like maybe she put she shouldn't have put it in her statement, but you know, she, she made comments to like codependency and like being addicted to, right. you know, love and people pleasing. And like, it's true. Like that's what's going on here. Right. And it's really hard for me to see, especially people going after her, like, yeah, what she did is horrible, mm-hmm. but she's sick. She's really sick and it's really fucked up to just see the way people are attacking her. Like she's just a horrible human. I just think that like this, the stuff that we know, like it just gives me such a different perception on like everything. And like, yes. granted, I never slept with my friend's like partner of 10 years. But I was a fucking horrible friend when I was in relationships before I really worked through this stuff. Like I would oh, drop yeah. a friend at the at the drop of a hat, you know? I would lie to them. I would cancel plans with them at the last minute. And it's so that's true. Yeah. 
Yeah, I I appreciate that. And I, I've had those same thoughts that really mass media, social media does not want to take the time for the gray areas. You know, everything is supposed to be black and white and That's you're either, self, you know? yeah, right. We, we don't want to think about the nuance of understanding trauma and attachment wounds and how all these things are playing out and the the dialectics, right? Like I know you probably heard that term where you have multiple truths, like it was wrong. And it was also, she was doing the best that she could to get her needs met. And both of those things are true at the same time, but nobody wants to be nuanced. And the other thing about it too, is circle back to what I said earlier, like this all happened for a reason. Like this all happened because whether or not they learn from it or not, but like this all happened because they all have their own shit to like work out. And yeah. I think it's probably going to be the best thing that ever happened to Ariana. Right. I agree. You know, I'm here for it. I'm here for it for sure. Yeah. It's just hard to watch. I get that. I get that. Cause I think just like what it you were saying back to me with my, with friends yeah. and stuff, like when friends can't be there, yeah. they don't understand what you're going through. Mm-hmm. They just get ostracized. For sure. I, at some point in my dating life, I learned to not talk about it because I was shamed for it. I was cut out. Even my first year in grad school, I get to grad school. This is before the narcissist. I'm dating this terrible person, like horrible. I won't even go into details, but it was bad. Is this the same, the main guy? Or no, different a different, a different guy. Turns out he was like in a relationship with someone who was in the Peace Corps and then dropped me the moment that she got back in the country. But he was just like a terrible, terrible person. But I remember opening up to this group of girls who were in my graduate program. They quit talking to me. Mm. They completely cut me out. It was quote unquote too much. And that's how I met one of my gay best friends, Anthony, who I bonded. So I'm like grateful that I was like dropped from that group. But like, that was the, the message I got was that like, there was something wrong with me. But not really, you know? Yeah. 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 It's hard. Right. Thankfully, I heard Dr. Drew on another podcast talking, like finally sharing that perception perspective of it. Cause I wanted to like, cause I'm a Bravo whore. I listened to like 20 million Bravo podcasts. So this could be, (laughs) I'm already thinking this could be a different podcast for you where all you do is take like a trauma lens to reality TV and just like analyze the shows. Cause that's needed. Yeah. That would be fun. I love it. Good idea. I love it. I'll probably get Um, so much hate. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I could talk about so much with you and I love, it's just like a conversation. It's so easy to talk with you. I want to take like a a hard pivot here because I've been getting this question a lot. And I know we kind of like talked about it before we hopped on, but I want to just talk about like long-term relationships with parents and as you're healing And how do you process it when you're learning all the things you're healing and you just know that probably they still don't have the capacity to change your relationship? Like, how do you deal with that? Well, I want to tell you this big aha that I had that's kind of related, but I was 
talking to you before about like procrastination and self-sabotage as it really relates to like growing my podcast and my business. And, um, I've been really trying to, I had this woman on my podcast. She would actually be really good for yours. Her name is Susan Anderson. She's like the abandonment trauma queen. She's amazing. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think she's the one that like deemed the term abandonment trauma. But so she talks about, this is kind of like, kind of not related to what you're saying, but I think it'll be relevant for your audience. So she talks about this concept of the outer child. So you have your inner child and your outer child. Your inner child are the, are the feelings, right? Like this is the vulnerable, sensitive part of ourselves. And the outer child is what acts out these feelings. So this is the part of us that self-sabotages. This is the part of us that gets into unhealthy relationships. This is the part of us that breaks our diet. It is the way that, you know, that we're responding to these feelings. And the important part of separating the two is because the feelings aren't the problem, right? And so if we're combined, it's it's the way that we're responding to them, that's the issue. And so if we're keeping them together, we're in a sense, shaming the feelings, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, There's nothing wrong with what the inner child is feeling. And so separating the, the two and being able to look through them through a different lens. But I had this, so I've been trying to like, that was like a big aha for me. And so I've been trying to connect more with my inner child. And I'll be honest, like that's been something that has taken me a while to like warm up to just because it seems so stupid and corny, like to be honest, it just seems stupid. Like I don't I love- like, I just don't understand like how that like actually I love like, how honest you are. Yeah. yeah I love how honest but it is. It yeah, is. Yeah. No, no. Like you hear that you hear it and you're like, what the hell? It, like, it what is that? Stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. yeah. It's like when I, yeah. Like when I was at this, like I had this AA meeting in San Francisco that I used to go to and they yeah. would sing happy birthday when they would give out the sobriety chip at the end. And like, I'm like the only, like, I understand like everybody else is like, okay with it. And like, I know that like, I'm like, for some reason, this kid that's like too cool for school to like, to, to sing the birthday song at the end. But I'm like the only one that feels that way. <laughs> and so that's how I, I knew I was with the inner child. Like I understand like that this shit actually like works. Right. <laughs> but I'm like the one that's, oh, it's a stupid. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I've been trying to like connect with my inner child more because what she tells you in this book that she has is like to ask your inner child how they feel about the ways in which the outer child has been acting. How does that make them feel? And it was actually when I was out at Tiffany's mastermind, I had this like random moment, like where it came to me. And what she told me is that when I make these promises that like, I'm going to get all these things done the next day, that I'm going to stop self-sabotaging, that I'm not going to play Candy Crush. When I end up not doing that, well, then that feels exactly the same as like when my mom would promise me that she was going to stop drinking and she wouldn't. Yeah. Mm. So, yes. Self-trust. I talk about this a lot. Healing self-trust. Yeah. And the fact of the matter is like, when I'm making these intentions to myself to do that, I mean it. Mm -hmm. I'm not just like feeding words. And the same thing with my mom. She wasn't just feeding me words. She wanted to. She wanted to to do those things. She was sick. And so that was kind of like a really big thing that like when we are habitually disappointed as kids we are, we habitually disappoint ourselves as adults. And I think for me that it's very insidious in the sense that I'll use procrastination just as a way to shame myself. Right. 
to make myself feel like shit about myself. So that was kind of like a big pivotal, like, aha, how did I go there? But so like with my parents, like, I think it's like this continuum of like loving and accepting them for who they are and like being at peace with that. Mm-hmm. And then anger. And I think it. Th- I think that there's always going to be this like continuum of like, sometimes we're going to feel like pissed off, mm-hmm. you know, and that's fine. Like people talk about like forgiveness, like forgiving our parents doesn't mean that like we can't ever feel angry at them or like, it doesn't mean that we can't like, that we have to have a relationship with them. It doesn't mean that, you know, mm-hmm. I wholeheartedly know that my parents are sick people that don't want to be that way. Like, I know that they don't want to. We have to pause for the audience and just repeat that because I think, I just think it's so, no, 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 it's so good. And I I think it's so important. People need to know that you can forgive your parents and you can be angry. You can forgive and have a relationship. You can forgive and not have a relationship. Like I, I really, really want people to realize that this is like choose your own adventure relationship with your parents. Like there's no one right way to do it. Every person's journey is different. Like every relationship's different and different relationships have capacity for healing and others simply do not. And it's all about accepting what is the reality instead of trying to create a fantasy or have a different narrative. That's, that's not based in what the reality is. And it's the exact same thing that we were talking about the the relationships too. Like our parents are just like, they're not evil people. Like maybe yours are, but I don't think they are. I think that they're just a product of their upbringing as well. You know? And I think that when we are rooted in this like victimhood, that that really does block us from healing. It does. Victimhood blocks, blocks you from healing. And when you can realize that your parents were doing the best that they could and there's ways that they failed you, that both of those things are true and that it actually doesn't do you any good to really blame them for the rest of your life. It's, it's going to do you a lot better if you take ownership for how do you want your life to look? Yeah. So what I was sharing with you before is that, you know, I just moved back to Florida. And so I haven't lived near my parents in like eight and a half years. I had this like really weird situation where was driving to like a furniture store randomly. And it's like two o'clock in the afternoon. I'm like in a really random part of town. And all of a sudden I see my dad coming out of a liquor store. Like we don't live anywhere near there. Like they don't live in, you know, it was just like so fucking random, like on a Monday. And I like pulled the car around. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> and he was like, oh, I'm getting my car fixed over there. Cause right. Like, cause that's what we do. Right. Like we just like go to the liquor store across the street when we're like getting our car fixed. And so that's when I slipped back into that. Like I've gotten so I've, I've really done an excellent job over the past several years of like really not getting involved at all when it comes to their drinking. Cause for years I, you know, I was convinced that there was something that I could do. I shot him a text after that. And I was like, you know, it was, it's that false illusion that I'm going to be heard and seen and understood. And it was like, I said, I just want you to know that like you and mom's drinking, like really impacts me a lot. Like it's really hard for me to see. Well, actually he he called me by accident. It was a butt call. And then he, I called him back and I told him that and he was like, I understand. I understand. And then of course it was like later that night. And then it went on for like the next three days in the afternoon, like 
he was just like lashing out at me, like on like text message, just like, like going after me. And I talked with my sponsor about it. And like, I, I had to apologize to him because their drinking is none of my business, you know, but it was, it was like slipping back into that fantasy that there's something that I can say to like, to change them or like thinking that they can actually understand my experience and go there. And of course they want to, but they're not capable of it, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. And so I, I did, I I apologized for it, but that's what it is. I think that every so often, like we are going to slip back into those old patterns of behavior I've done a really, I I really have done a great job of staying in my lane. Yeah. Um, It's been a while since I acted that way. Will that be the last time I do something like that? No. You know? Mm -hmm. Well, it's, it's every, every child wants a certain kind of relationship with their parent. I mean, that's always, that's always there. So there's always kind of that element of grieving it as well. But I love that you shared that. And I love that you talked about capacity because, you know, you've probably heard me talk about like plastic plant relationships when you're dating and how we can try to like water this person, put them in the sunlight, sing a little tune to them. We're trying to get this relationship to grow, (laughs) but it's a plastic plant. And like, sometimes now that we're talking about this, it's like, sometimes that's our family relationships too. Sometimes they're just a plastic plant, they don't have the capacity or the ability to grow. And yet we're trying to get new fertilizer and, you know, we're, we're doing all this stuff, but they just can't grow no matter what we do and how powerful and how energy saving for you to realize that and take your, take your energy back. Right. Yeah. The plant thing makes me think like, I'm curious if anybody out there is like getting like, you're fine, Tubby, getting texts from like, like AI bots. Like I keep getting, I keep getting these texts like about like somebody wants to take me to a Michelin star Chinese dinner. Like I've, I've got it twice from two different numbers and it's the exact same messages. It's like, Hey Lisa, but it was like a different thing the last time. Like David told you about my situation, right? Like I'd love to take you to a Chinese dinner. Can I make a reservation? And then they like send me a picture. And so the first time it happened, I just like wrote like wrong number. And then they're like, you just forgot. Don't you remember? And so then it happened again from another number. And then I realized I'm like, this is, I bet this is like, I wonder what the, like what the play here is. What's Um, the long game here? (laughs) Yeah. 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 So then I like unblocked the number and like decided to like engage. And so I was like, after I said like, no wrong number, but then I wrote back and I said, but I do love Chinese food. (laughs) (laughs) And so, so then like, so then they start, I was like, I love Peking duck. And so then like, then I can tell that like, this is actually AI because they start sending me these like, really like long in depth information about hoisin sauce, which is like what is on Peking duck. And so then I said, he goes, Oh, you like Chinese food so much. Um, can you cook Chinese food? And I said, I used to cook Chinese food all the time, but cooking has become very difficult for me since they had to cut off my left hand back in October. And then they said, Oh, your left hand was amputated. And I said, yeah, 
They amputated it, but then they put on a fake hand, but it looks like a baby hand and babies can't cook Chinese food. And then have you ever seen like with Kristen Wiig, like there was like a tiny hand skit. So then I sent him this picture and I said, it kind of looks like this. (laughs) And he goes, I hope you're lying to me. I hope you're a person with all four limbs. And I said, this is the last thing I said before I blocked him. I said, do you only want to talk to me if I only have all four limbs? I said, I have all four limbs, except for one of them just looks like a baby limb. <laughs> Isn't that good? Uh, oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, Be careful. This AI shit is creepy. Yes. <laughs> you, you don't want AI. That is definitely an example of a plastic plant. That is not a relationship that can go anywhere. At least you got some laughs out of it, though. Oh, like, I thought it was fucking hilarious. I mean, that is pretty funny. He I'm said, where did you first... They're trying to figure out where <clears> I live. They're like, where did you first... He said, where did you eat Chinese Peking duck and fall in love with it? And I said, oh, man, where haven't I ate Peking duck? Where you home for the first time? I said, at my 10th grade birthday... Or at my birthday party when I turned 10. <laughs> <laughs> this is so good oh my god you're having so much fun see this is why i love to check in with you because we can laugh i get all the deets on what's going on in your life i don't have anything i had one story for i had one dating story from 15 months ago and i have a story about chatting with a robot about no and cut off i think it's so (laughs) relatable though like it's so relatable and like and then i love though that we can get deep and that we can talk about trauma and just talk about all all of the healing pieces. This work so, of topics. Yeah, it's always so good to connect with you. Is there is there anything that you would want our listeners to know? Just like maybe somebody who's really struggling or who's just like just starting on their healing journey. Like any words of inspo that you would say? You're not alone. You know, you think that you're the only one that feels the way that you do, and you don't. Yeah. You know, there you're not alone. You're not like change is possible. It's fucking hard and it takes time, but it's possible. And don't try to do it alone. Yeah. Don't Beautiful. do it alone. Especially when it comes to this, if you relate to like what, you know, like if you grew up in a dysfunctional family, if you relate to like the complex trauma piece of it, like that stuff is relational trauma. And Mm -hmm. part of healing that like is through relationships is like learning how to have like safe, intimate relationships with other people. Mm -hmm. So whether it's some sort of a community or 12 step program, like therapy is great, but like also have a community. Yeah. I love that about what you and I both have is that community aspect of people knowing that they're not alone, having real conversations. And Mm -hmm. it's true getting to have corrective emotional experiences with other human beings that are not just your therapists, because as a psychologist, we're trained to respond a certain way. And when you get out into the real world and you're having relationships, that's where some of the real growth and the real challenges come. So yeah, being open to community and relationships. So great advice. Thank you so, so much for being here. How can people connect with you? I know obviously your amazing podcast. Tell us all the things. Yeah. Adult Child Pod on Instagram and TikTok. And you can email me at Andrea at adultchildpodcast.com. Amazing. And make sure you follow her Instagram because it's hilarious and educational. And I love it. So thank you for being you. Thank you for being vulnerable. 
Thanks for spending your time with us. That was all made up. <laughs> you know, what would be even weirder is if I just made up the whole Chinese thing. Like, no, 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 no. We, I saw the text messages. This is not made up. <laughs> this, the peeking, the peeking duck is real. Okay. The baby hands. Yes. And my, baby my word of advice is babies can't cook Chinese food. Oh my God. Okay. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Thanks for being you. I can't wait to come on your show as well. It's going to be so much fun. And of course, as always, to everyone listening, I'm wishing you high self-worth and great relationships. Hey, go give her a damn five-star review, okay? <laughs> Seriously. Thank you, Thank you Andrea. Yeah, I appreciate you that. If you don't do it, the next time you try to listen to this podcast, it's not going to be there. <laughs> oh, God. That's what I do to get people to give See, me See, this is drama. This is drama. You're like, it's going to go away unless you do something. <laughs> Thank you, Andrea. Thank you so much. And yeah, thank you all for listening. Until next time, wishing you high self-worth and great relationships. Toodles. You guys, thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate each and every one of you. The best way that you can thank me is by sharing this episode on Instagram Facebook and making sure that you tag me at Dr. Morgan Coaching. And it would really mean the world to me if you took just two minutes to leave me a five star review on iTunes. This podcast is not free to produce. And the more that you help this little show grow, the more people will have access to this valuable information. So until next time, I'm wishing you high self worth and great relationships. Thank you for being part of this community.